Hi, welcome to the Waffle and Jam podcast. This is a space where three friends discuss important topics that are not only thought-provoking for us, but also for you guys listening at home. We'll be discussing a variety of topics all the way from current affairs to mental health and even our own life experiences. So sit back, grab a coffee, get comfortable and listen to us quite literally waffle and jam. Yes, yes, guys. Welcome back to the Waffle and Jam podcast with myself, Milan, and the rest of the boys, CJ and Brandon. We've got a very interesting episode for you guys today. We've got a nice mix of controversial and lighthearted topics which we want to dive into straight away. Um, so I'm just going to kick us off and uh, go straight into the first topic. So once again, this is the same man that keeps coming over and over again. It's Andrew Tate. Andrew oh, Tate, he, re- he really can't escape the spotlight. Um, he's winning right now because we're talking yeah, about him. That's what he wants. Honestly, that's literally what he wants. Uh, in particular, I wanted to I wanted us guys to talk about um, his infamous interview with Piers Morgan um, on his uh, new TV show, where he sort of just called out Andrew Tate and just asked him asked him interesting and difficult questions on his track record and what he's, you know, just said out in the public space and in social media. Um, so yeah, I'll just leave it there and just let us sort of dive into it. What are your guys' thoughts? I definitely thought it was a really interesting interview. Um... I think that I think it kind of just only explored a lot of the surface issues rather than go deep into a lot of the things that um, a lot of people really kind of wanted Andrew Tate to be questioned on. But I think Piers Morgan did. He tried his best to to, to kind of hold him accountable, but mm. it, it it kind of came to light the way he responded to a lot of the questions. For mm. me, it kind of just cemented my view on him a little bit. Um, okay. And I guess our, the question that we wanted to ask was like is he a misogynist and what is misogyny right mm-hmm. um so i think we should probably just kick off by kind of uh giving a deficit definition for misogyny really um i guess that brandon do you want to give that definition I'll yeah, yeah go for it so misogyny is the hatred of contempt for or prejudice against women or girls so, so cedra I, I know you said it kind of cemented your view on him after you know listening to that interview what what was your initial view on him and why did that uncensored interview kind of you know be like yeah you know he is that type of person to you know say or do these type of things my, my view was that he he was a borderline misogynist like some of the views that he shared and some of the views that he um some of the things that he did his actions kind of just really misogynistic and the way he responded to some of the questions that have been asked of him in the interview can i, can I ask what particular actions just to, i'm not saying that i'm disagreeing with you before you yeah, start yeah, talking we're, we're not we're not defending andrew tate here yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> in okay, any, so any first, case firstly i'd say like obviously the the video that went viral of him um physically assaulting a woman um i know the woman came out and said it wasn't abuse blah blah, blah. uh mm. secondly the fact that he he refers to women as, as property um okay and yeah, so those those are the two things that I think that make him misogynistic. Okay, sorry to butt in here, Siege, but I know yeah. um, the women who came out um, to, you know, those claims about um, physical abuse, she yeah. said it was actually a role play and mm-hmm. she's into that sort of things and it was consensual. Yeah. How, with that knowledge, how yeah. do you expect, did you expect... Um, do you think uh, he, she was sort of coerced into saying that? Um, I don't think she was. I think she probably was role play. But the reason mm. why I still think he's a misogynist is because of the image that he's trying to portray. 
and the kind of the, his goal basically with social media and the internet and stuff. So again, it, the fact that he's trying to um, get a lot of young men, especially young men, uh, mm. to kind of be follow him and for them to think of him as a as a role model or whatever, um, okay. and him doing those sort of things. I don't think many many young girls are gonna be like, okay, yeah, you can slap me, you can hit me, um, in a consensual way. But as far as those mm. men, those young men are concerned, they would think that it's okay for the, for those things to happen. And the thing is, in the interview, he didn't take accountability for for a lot of things when yeah. Piers Morgan questioned him on it. And I think that's yeah. where he that's where he went wrong. I feel like that was his opportunity to be like, yeah, I messed up. Okay. But here's me wanting to start fresh, and I, I accept that some of these things were offensive. But he mm. wasn't apologetic for for the fact that a lot of the things that he said was was offensive to people, and that's what that's what makes him makes me think that he's he's a misogynist. Mm. And what's your what's your view on the whole interview? Yeah, I think. What's what's your what's your view on Andrew Tate as a person? Do you think he's I a misogynist? Think, I think. Just with everything in life, nothing's completely black and white. And obviously, like, I think I've said this most of the time, but everything's grey. And I think he has good traits mm. to him, but mm. obviously he has definitely, definitely does have negative traits to him, which are borderline dangerous because of the fact that his audience is, um, what, teenage, young adults, young men. Very who are Who are, yeah, and who are easily influenced by what he says. Um, I think the good traits mm. that he has is like he literally motivates them to um, just quote unquote not be a bum and sit around, but actually just be proactive, get out their work hard, mm. and just focus on self de- uh, self development and things like that. Like for example, good things that he says, um, things like he tells them to stop vaping and things like that, and he's like just go to the gym. Um, this will mm. improve like your physical and mental health and stuff like that, which is really good. Um, but other things that he does, which are which I don't like at all. Um, like CJ said, obviously the views that he has on women. Um, he will. Mm. He he keeps saying he's an advocate for women and he and, and he appreciates women and he champions women, but his actions all sort of contradict that. Um, mm-hmm. With like what he says about like saying women are property and stuff like that. Um, and yeah. the thing is, when he's called out on it, he doesn't like mm. CJ said. He does. He especially in that interview, he didn't really take accountability for it at all. He was just um, deflecting a lot and just sort of. Um, Gaslighting quite a bit actually, because every single time Piers Morgan said this, he kept on sort of um, saying, oh, "I'm sorry that people felt that way. I'm sorry that people yeah. um, sort of uh, perceived it that way." But then it's like you're not taking any, any accountability, and you're not really understanding that the position that you have right now, you have a voice which people are going, people especially in, in the audience that you're targeting, ha- are definitely going to take things literally, and you have to take some sort of accountability for it. Mm-hmm. Um, what, so I think. What- what sorry what was what I was going to say was yeah throughout the whole interview he under he understood the fact that he has a lot of power and with a yeah. lot of power comes a lot of responsibility mm. but what I didn't get was he understood all of that stuff but he was still refusing to take accountability exactly and, exactly. and be like okay to all my followers or whatever here's what I've done wrong here's what I want to do differently he never he never yeah. addressed that as an issue and what he's wanting to do kind of going forward and that's that's where I feel like you know. It, while he understands that he has a lot of power and a lot of responsibility, he's not willing to take that responsibility. Do you think that's mm. going to negatively impact him? Because at the end of the day, yeah, no. for, like he's gonna he's gonna want to come back on social media whether we like it or not. In it, like for, it was better for yeah. his business. He'd want he just no one wants to be banned from social media. Wouldn't it just be easier for him to just take accountability, and then that would sort of fast track his ability to or ch- improve his chances to come back on social media? Or is it so that is it that just that he's so adamant and so yeah, just so adamant that he's not in the wrong, 
um, that he feels like him just sticking by what he said will improve his chances and come back on social media. Yeah. I don't know what he's playing at. I think he doesn't want to admit that he was wrong. Um, he still, obviously, like I said, he has a huge influence and everything. Um, but I think he has changed how he's kind of using his social media and stuff now. I feel like he's, or maybe social media is just not put out a lot of things. Well, I mean, they filtered probably a lot of things that he does put out now. I know that he said in his interview, like a lot of the things that Piers Morgan was pointing out in, in the argument was just a short snippet of a larger, oh, yeah, a larger yeah, piece of work. And so yeah. he's not reflective of him as a whole, like a, like a, like, like a full individual, like Milan was saying. Mm-hmm. But I think the interview mainly focused on the things that he messed up on. And f- for him, instead of saying that, okay, um, instead of actually taking accountability, he deflected it by saying, no, I didn't do anything wrong. But it could have focused a lot more on the things that he did do right. But the only way he could have fully kind of cemented that opinion of, of him doing things right would would be by taking accountability and saying, yeah, I, I did it wrong, but the, here are the other things that I do, rather than saying, no, I did do this though, but I do that though. Because when people hear that, they think, ah, oh, this guy's not sorry at all. He's just saying yeah. he, 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 was, he wasn't wrong, he wasn't wrong. Because, yeah, like, like I'm saying, he, do, he, did, he does do a lot of things that's right. He, he does have a lot of positive things that he spreads, especially the young men, but it, mm. it, it kind of, kind of masked by a lot of the, the, the misogyny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think... Misogyny, I'd just say, like, the, um, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's fully misogyny, but just... Would you say he's misogynistic, then? I would say he is misogynistic because his views are so strong. And the reason I say that is because when he asked, when he was asked about the question of would would um would you see your woman, your woman or your wife as your property, um I guess a lot of people would agree with that, um because you know he used like women at walking him down the aisle and um, passing them on yeah things like that. Uh, but I think what's just to sort of cut your sorry to cut you off. But basically, what what he what he go, keeps on saying is that he basically he doesn't he's his view is not that I'm not saying that I'm saying that this is I'm not saying that I agree with him. I'm just saying that his view, what he would argue with you, is he he would say that he is not what's the word? He's not demeaning towards women. He's not saying that women are beneath men, but he's just saying that men and women have different roles in society. And he's saying that the man's role is to be a breadwinner and to be someone like, for example, the, the classic example he gives is if when a man and woman are sleeping in their house, husband and wife sleep in the house, when a, when a robber, like an armed robber or whatever breaks in, it's the man's role to man, man's role to go and confront the robber and try to save them. And then he says, women have like nurturing, mothering roles in society. That's basically his view. Um, and he and, and he keeps on saying that uh, he loves women and he thinks women have like a very vital role in society, which is obviously of that nurturing role. Um, do you think, even even though he still says that, do you think, firstly, do you think that view is outdated? And secondly, do you think his actions contradict what he says or what that initial point that he made was? I want to bring Brandon into it, actually, because... Go on, what? repeat the question, please. The question is, you know, um, the whole point that he was making about like women have like important roles in society. They're like mothering yeah. people. Like, they yeah. they have a maternal role yeah. and they're like yeah. um, nurturing. Mm-hmm. Um, firstly, do you think that view that he has of men and women having different roles in society is that firstly is it outdated? And secondly, does his actions contradict that point, or does his actions contradict the, the fact that he supposedly has a respect for women? 
I think the view he has, so with, um, I don't think it's outdated. No, I think, I think, you know, uh, but then we're living in a, we're living in complicated times, man. When yeah. You're living you know, a, you know like, why, no, sorry, I was gonna go, say go on, go on, Siege, go on. I was just going to say, the reason why I wouldn't completely agree with that is because his view, him saying, okay, oh yeah, I love women, but I'm not, I, 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 um, uh, I'm not against women, you know, uh, uh, kind of being bosses or whatever and things like that. I, I feel like ultimately the way, the, the way he views women, he, he views them as kind of lower than men. He, he thinks that a man should be in control. And I think that that's where the issue might be because I think it should be kind of split like 50 50, I guess. I understand, you know, like a, a, a man should protect a woman if a woman's in danger and things like that. Mm. But ultimately, but do, do you think, yeah, I do. yeah, do you think that view that he has represents mm. where he's from though? Because he lives in Romania. A lot of the a vast majority of the Eastern world think like that. I know if I go to India, a lot of my mm. flight family over there, like my aunties and uncles and my grandparents, they have that same view. Their view mm. is that the man is the head of the house and the wife is. I'm not going to say that the wife, they view that the wife is beneath them, um, but they, yeah. they believe that it's, it's a partnership. But at the end of the day, ultimately, the man has the yeah. final say in the household and the man See, is the, the head pro- of the household. And, and he lives in Romania. So I don't yeah. know. Do you think that just reflects his whole, whole culture over there? I guess so. But he, he's not he's not entirely just based in Romania, though. He goes all around the world and he's in a position where the women that he meets aren't are, are obviously of, of i mean they're affluent women they're not they're not women who are you know who need a lot of protection or who need financial support or stuff he women who are like he meets women who are like high class women and stuff so the, his view I, I don't understand why a lot of women in his circle would respect that view because it's not really empowering those women it's it's kind of demeaning them mm. i mean i understand in certain societies certain cultures that you know a, a man um is meant to be the protector of the breadwinner, like you said. But I don't in in Western society. It's definitely like outdated. Yeah, yeah, that's it's definitely that's, outdated. And I, I think that's why a lot of women get offended by that. Hundred uh, percent. By, by yeah. that view. Because it's like because you you are essentially um, slapping women across the face and saying like you shouldn't be the bread breadwinner because you're not you're mm-hmm. not on the same level as men. You're not able to be at a level where you're going to be able to like you know financially be comfortable as a man and that's very very disrespectful and if this man gets you know some kind of pleasure from role play role play in which he he slaps a woman and he's in full control is that not misogyny because that's that's abusive to a woman right even if it's consensual but is it okay oh you mean like even you mean would you say that's more like emotional abuse because you sort of manipulated the woman to thinking it's consensual yeah, and I guess the thing is though, Piers Morgan didn't really ask him about this. Like him saying it's consensual, and this woman was okay with it, and that role play. I don't think that makes it okay. Why not? Because, I mean, obviously we don't see what happens in everyone's bedroom and stuff, but like, yeah. I just feel like inherently it it's not right to to get pleasure from abusing somebody. What's that movie, Fifty Shades of Grey, where... Yeah, that's the thing. The, the guy's are dominant, I think, I think, isn't it? Oh, I don't know, I'm a man of God, isn't it? I'm a man of God as well. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is the women that, that stand up for... Um, I'll just say, I guess it's, it's it's the women who like that kind of stuff, who maybe like a bit of, you know... But then rough. surely, CJ, aren't you being a bit judgmental towards women who like that kind of stuff and saying that 
they're basically prone to being abused. Exactly. They are prone to being what abused. If they, but that's but your like opinion, that. though. Like, they like that. Yeah. Okay. Are, you're basically then, saying I, that. I just feel like it's really hypocritical for those women to come out and say, oh, men are abusive, men are rapists, blah, blah, blah. I but mean, it's not it, those women who are coming no, out. Is, and it's under different circumstances, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. That woman is not... That, we, we've got one example of a woman who said it, and she's not once said, oh, men are abusive, this is that. She just said on one occasion, Andrew Tate, like, it was just a consensual but, situation. But this whole thing makes it really confusing for a lot of men who, who don't know what way to deal with, like, you know, certain, certain things like this. Exactly. I think the wrong thing they done was film it and then have no context towards it. And that's just been published on the internet, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, exactly. but that, that's, the th- that's the thing, though. To be fair, that's why a one that's why I sometimes I get where Andrew Tate is coming from because a lot of the stuff that he's said it's taken out of context and people just get these random statements and they just blast him for it which I I, yeah, I think I Piers Morgan that. was a wrong that's what Piers, Piers Morgan done yeah I think yeah. Piers Morgan was the wrong person to interview him because they're both like very yeah. similar in the sense that they're very eager he, he, he's, he's the only one that's going to give him a platform to talk <laughs> yeah that's, that's yeah. true that's, that's, that's a good point that's the thing that's the, that's the yeah. trade off here um, but he was such a shit interviewer in my opinion um, yeah, and like he, he got he, he got talked too about caught up in in the responses and he he in the end it was just big, like a battle between two egos and he wouldn't let mm. him talk it was a battle yeah. between two egos mm. like he wouldn't let him talk and he was so focused on just getting one upping Andrew Taylor mm, he brought on yeah. irrelevant points he's been yeah. brought up topics about Alex Jones and what his view was on yeah. Sandy Hook when and, and you some... shouldn't be asked and he asked him like what's your view on transgender trying to trip him up but you, he's Andrew Tate's not once said anything about transgenders that's controversial. Mm. So yeah. you shouldn't bring that up randomly. Do you get what I mean? He also um, brought he up was... a fifteen-year-old girl committing suicide due to like cyberbullying. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Example though of of like when when it could have been mo- loads of other reasons for why those things happened. Yeah. I think yeah. he was just trying to make him feel bad. But mm. he was just trying to one up him, trying to trim yeah, him up. Yeah, yeah. But it, I just think obviously that didn't work because he didn't even feel bad about the the the, the biggest point that he was trying to make. Exactly. So, how would it work for him to bring up those other things and try and make him feel bad? Yeah, Andrew Tate chats a lot of us, you know. I'll be honest, like he, he honest, never answered very, the question. He, no, he's a very smart talker. He, he should be like, a, yeah. he's like a political talker, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He, he even and... said it in the interview. He was like, "Don't answer me. Like, answer like a politician. Answer me like you know, like like a normal, yeah. like a normal inter- Yeah. Yeah. He's, he he and he uses loads of examples which are not he uses these examples and the like the imagery and stuff to to distract the viewer or the listener but he doesn't actually answer the question and it's it's frustrating because you want to get to the bottom of it but he's just not like yeah and, and it goes hand in hand with him not taking accountability for he's a very things that he person. That's 100% yeah, yeah. He, doesn't want, he doesn't want to be regretful on the internet yeah exactly he, he, I think Piers Morgan asked him that question. Would you, um, would you regret that thing you did if you could go back in time and and um, not do it? Yeah, and he, he kind of dodged the question, didn't it? Yeah, he kind of just kept dodging the question because he knew what he did was wrong, but he didn't want to accept mm. it. I think yeah. implicitly he he said, you know, if I knew that I had such influence on the internet and I'd be the most googled person in the world, he would have probably said things differently. But then again, he's just like not taking accountability for his actions and words. Yeah, definitely, man. I think Caesar today you said he said when you watched that podcast, or I say when you watched that interview, sorry, uh, he he just embodied the devil. But he did. He's what not, Andrew Tate? 
Yeah, yeah. Like, I just feel like certain mannerisms and the way he's deflecting certain things and how he could twist um, your words and also how you how you hear certain words to make it sound like a- appealing to certain people. It can think, be all right, yeah. And and the fact that the amount of attention that he's getting, the amount of the the kind of things that he's um, like pushing forward and and the lifestyle that he's living i just feel like i don't know he just for me the way he was talking in the, in the interview just embodied the devil i know if it was just bald head but back down to how he became famous he became famous because of the circulation of his misogynistic views and his lavish lifestyle i know there was just short, short, short snippets of his life but he said those things he's not being accountable mm. for the things that he said and even that that university thing that he had going for with the 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 boys in it, hostlers yeah. university, hostlers university or whatever, they so were, they all they were doing the literally they were literally sharing his content, and that that's what they signed up for. Yeah. And that in itself, is like, is, stuff, it? yeah, hmm. that that in itself is like he he had no filter, no control over what kind of thing they were spreading, what they were saying, and and hmm. how old those boys were, and what they were doing in their daily life. So you could say that he it? does. Yeah, you could say that it, he's the he's the reason or the cause of his own downfall then, because then they, they, those boys who signed up to his Hustlers University shared things out of context, and that led to him sort of being called out for a lot of it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think. Do, do you think this will lead to him getting fully cancelled, or what? Do, what do you think the future holds for him? Would you not say he's fully cancelled already? No. He's off all social media platforms. Yeah. He's what would you want for him to get cancelled? I don't think I, the thing is I don't want him to get fully cancelled because I think there are a lot of things that he's shared he talks that sense. Be really useful. He talks sense in a, in quite quite a number of things. Yeah, like the motivational stuff that he says for yeah. young people, I think is good. Mm. Um, I don't know if yeah, I'd say he is cancelled already. To be honest, I, I don't think, think he'll get any more cancelled than what he is at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I think it can and only what, get better for him. What What else can they do to him? The The only thing that yeah, there's nothing else they can do. The only thing is if he's like committed a crime and that comes down, he and goes to prison. Arrest him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I'd say it's as bad as it is for him at the moment. I reckon. But Elon Musk as the new CEO could be on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> he's he he's already sacked a lot of people, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Making big money moves, bro. Mm. Um, I wanted to move over to our next topic. If that's right with you guys, um, I think it reminded me when CJ said Andrew Tate reminded you of the devil. And the one thing that I thought was, was selling your soul. Um, and oh, okay. There's a there's like this whole sort of like, not conspiracy, but like this whole sort of culture in like the showbiz lifestyle, um, like celebrities and Hollywood and just music industry and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, where like young individuals, obviously there's the mental health aspect of it, but yeah. uh, people say they sell their soul for money, do anything just for fame and stuff like that, and just for like success. Mm. Um, so my question for the next topic is, is essentially is selling your soul a real thing in the music industry and how, what are the negative impacts of it and how bad does it get? Siege, so do you want to go, go for it? No, no, go on. Bro. I, I mean, want Brandon. Yeah, I want I'm you. I want rapper, you want me? Yeah. Go on. Go on, go on Brandon. What, so is selling your soul a real thing? A thing in the music industry. Uh, and what is it? What is selling your soul? See, I don't even know what it is. Because, but the thing is, I think I think the music industry is run by, or even the Hollywood industry. You know, there are theories about the Hollywood industry as well. But 
mainly the music industry. That's what we're focusing on right now. Mm. I think it is run by, you know, satanic people of this world. And, you know, it might it might be a wild one. Like, this is, this is a conspiracy theory. Mm. But, like, when you see, like, all the symbolism they use, all, um, like, the mocking tongue, Mark of the Beast, stuff like that in the music videos, you got Lil Nas dancing on the devil, and then his his music just skyrockets with views and stuff like that, and then he gets more famous for coming out as gay. Yeah, man, I think I think it is, you know, something that, uh is sort of idealized you know mm. bit you know i'm not saying being gay is a bad thing like but i'm saying like it's kind of like worshipped in that industry where you know it's it's amazing to be gay and you know everyone else should kind of like follow that trend or you know it's cool to follow the devil it's cool to have like the music videos with fire yeah all yeah. that sort of stuff and yeah with selling your soul there are theories that a number of people have sold their soul, like Lil, um, Lil Uzi Vert. I even heard a recent one about Dua Lipa. Was he the guy? Was he the guy with the um, the diamond in the his diamond, forehead? Yeah. That was a bit weird. Even that had like, <laughs> some connotations with the devil. Yeah, apparently. I mean, I, uh, I, I think, I think what you said could be could be true, could be not true, but I think music in general, like, I think it sells more when it's a bit more rebellious and when it's a bit out there and it's quite different. And I think. It might just be a way people try and sell music and sell like you know certain types of music and the music industry well, with, and, like, with with connotations of the devil. Yeah, um, something that's like not not meant to be kind of uh, mainstream or something that that's a lot of people would be worried about wanting to follow. Um, but at the same time, the music's good. You would want to follow or and. Uh, is that, is that something about Lucifer being like the 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 the, the angel of music or something as well? Oh, so, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so that, it, when you think about it that way, it might actually be uh, I don't know, like a legit thing. But I know at one point there was a lot of even Rihanna, Rihanna and um, yeah, a lot uh, of Jay Z, Beyonce. Beyonce, yeah, yeah, Kanye. yeah. Um, a lot of I don't know too much about it, but I wouldn't be surprised if 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 the music industry was running that way, um, mm. and if 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 selling your soul leads to you, you know, selling selling loads of hits and becoming a, a mad musician, uh, then I guess I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people didn't do that in order to achieve what they want to. Thing, when I think music. of selling my soul, obviously the devil and stuff. That, that's <laughs> what like are you thinking of selling your soul? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. When I when I think of like um, the topic the idea of selling of someone, uh, yeah, okay. like in the music industry, what I think yeah. of is someone who essentially just neglects and completely just like disregards what they stand for was what they stood for before they became famous just for the p that's what i yeah. think so i feel like for example yeah um let's say like someone was like a really religious person or whatever and they become like famous and then that's when they get into that music industry automatically they get told like okay this is what's gonna like get hits you have to like have this music video with like bear like girls in there just like worship money and just just sort of like you know what i mean just like all that this like the negative stuff like i say yeah. quote-unquote negative stuff just like sort of overindulging and things like that and i feel like selling your soul is more like just neglecting and just forgetting where you're not even forgetting where you came from but just consciously just getting rid of your previous like identity just for this new identity just to make money do you know what i mean I think that's very detrimental. And I think that's the reason why there's this mental health epidemic um, within not just the social 
no, not just sorry, not just within the music industry, but in Hollywood and just in the celebrity lifestyle in general. And that's why a lot of uh, it will bring us on to like one thing that I think Brandon, you're more like um, knowledgeable about it. But just it will bring us on to that 27 Club, like a um, a list of individuals who have um, passed away at such a young age at the 27, mm. just because of how their mental mm. health was affected due to this like massive like shift in their lifestyle. And I think just before you come in, Brandon, I just want to like. Jim Carrey had like this really famous quote um, and he was talking about how the detrimental effects of just being famous on an individual's mental health and this and he was like um, everyone just idolize, all the public will just idolize being famous and they want to be celebrities they want to make money they want to be rich um, mm. but I, he said I wish everyone in this world just had a taste at least a one day experience of just being rich and famous mm. and being a celebrity just to understand that that's not going to answer your questions that's not going to fulfill you and it's just going to make you even more sad um but yeah no brandon go on what is the 27 club and why is it important so the 27 club is a group of musicians um who all died at the age of 27 Mm. um the idea behind uh their like sort of premature death was actually more common than not because although there's no like concrete evidence to back up these claims is you know um, quite intriguing as to you know why there's uh, a common sort of trend with you know a number of um, musicians dying at this age so I'll give an example the first one which is most commonly known within the music industry is Robert Johnson and he's widely regarded as the master of the blues and he mm. penned hits uh, such as I'll believe I'll dust my broom crossroad blues and sweet, sweet home Chicago and at the age of 27 he died due to poisoning and many believe it was deliberate, maybe on from his own regard. So many people believe that he poisoned himself mm. or, you know, it might have been accidental, but we don't know. Another famous one is Amy Winehouse. She died at 27. Mm. Yeah, which I, I was quite surprised when I was looking into. But as you go through the latter stages of, you know, before her death, you could see sort of like her life kind of falling apart. Yeah. But yeah, I'd say with the 27 Club, these people, they sell their souls for a bit of temporary money, fame, you know, success. And then while while they're coming up to the those, you know, 27 years of their life, it sort of falls apart and, you know, they tend to fade away. Yeah. I think like with, with music, I know, in, I think in recent times, especially a lot of... Um, music kind of i i idealizes uh like a lot of immoral activity like drinking yeah and smoking and yeah. using loads of different drugs and stuff promiscuity yeah um mm. and i think maybe some some um artists kind of fall into the trap of wanting to lead that lifestyle and it gets to a point where they realize oh this is not for me but they can't get out of it and mm. their the mental health deteriorates to that point where they physically can't get out of it and I think Mac Miller was 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 an example. He, he OD'd on um, oxycodone. Yeah, um, yeah. And it was quite uh, that. I know he wasn't quite twenty seven, but well, twenty six. Yeah, twenty six. So I think it's it's really tough. Um, obviously, being I don't know, I don't know, because I'm not a musician or famous or rich, but I guess it's surprising to me because you'd assume that them being in that position, they'd get the help that they need or they'd mm. be able to get that support. But yeah. it makes me wonder if if selling your soul was a real thing and you got to a point where you've, 
you've done everything that, that the devil has asked you to do to, to mm. get to where you are and you're trying mm. to fight and get back maybe that's the reason why they because they, they fight they're fighting and trying to find god again and and that's not that's not acceptable it's not allowed maybe because they sold they sold their soul um mm. and uh, so they they, they 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 die as a result mm. yeah do you think it's possible to keep your morals in the music industry I I think so. Uh, do you know Do you know who he springs to, to my mind? Who? Chunks, because he he quit music because yeah. he he made a few bangers. Yeah. He quit music because he said music is haram, and I think that's yeah. that's one of the reasons why I think like he 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 was aware of what kind of road it would take him down. Yeah. And, and so he did the smart thing by saying, now, nah, you know what? I know. And the thing is, like, he's really, really talented. I think he was. He's he so. I think he would have been the yeah. best. He would have been so yeah. good. Mm. And he made that decision not to follow through with that. I yeah. think that, that again goes to go. That it may kind of implies to me that maybe there is something out there um, that the idea of selling your soul and not being able to get get back to where you where you first were. So True. if you're able to manage it by kind of taking that break maybe early on and then coming back once you're you know at an age where you you do know where where, where your life is going um and you're not you're not going to be kind of indulging in those your moral activities and your music is not going to be kind of idealizing you know objectifying women or drinking mm-hmm. alcohol or smoking drugs and you know sleeping mm-hmm. around and stuff then maybe you can manage it i think beyonce and jay-z you know that they, they do pretty well they 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 um and drake as well Mm. But maybe they've already sold their but the That's what I'm saying. I feel like I I I just think their morals. I feel like when you look at Drake and Beyonce and Jay Z, they on the surface they look happy and they look like they're patterned it. But I gen, genuinely just think it's because their morals align with what like quote unquote the devil's morals are. I don't mm. think they're, they're really too asked about. Um, just their like I don't know. It's it's difficult to word. But you know what I mean, innit? Like, I just don't... I think what they genuinely want and what they idolise, they idolise money, they want to be peed, and yeah. that just genuinely makes them happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at this point, where they are in their careers, I don't think that really matters to them at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So why do they continue to sort of, you know, make music? No, but would, would you say it doesn't matter to them? I don't think giving them another... 1 million, 2 million, 3 million, 4 million streams on Spotify or even dollars, pounds, whatever will make, you know, an incredible significance in their life. I think they've already made it. I think when you're that rich, maybe you're always hungry to want to do more. I feel like, say, for example, like Kanye and stuff, he was a musician and that, and then he went into like fashion and stuff and he, he, he collabed with Adidas and things like that. And, I don't think it just stops there. Like even Drake now, like he he's still releasing music and. He... Oh, but but is asking why is he still making music? Yeah, they already like, have what they want in it. I I, I think it, I I find it hard to believe it's still like their passion. Just... Really? So. I I I think I think, it, I think these people treat it as like I think we should look at them as athletes. Do you know how like athlete Michael Jordan like these athletes mm. have had a thing for their own sport? Yeah. I think these lot are so obsessed with. I say, quote unquote, the sport or like the art of music, but they just want to be the greatest of all time in that field. Like Drake always like, keeps talking about legacy. I feel like if he retires, people can look at him as the greatest of all time. But I think, 
but there's always like people who will say he won't in there. But I think he wants to get so far. He has a, he has this um bar which he says um something about this is like people always talking about the goat, but all I'm saying is oh, they're, they're not making this shit about the numbers. All I know, saying that mm. I, once you have those numbers there, no one can say shit to him. But I think he's just going to get trying to get as many like accolades numbers. and as many like numbers as he can, so then people can say, okay, you know what? Look at the numbers. It's always him. He's the greatest of all time. People I think that's one music, of the things. Though. People who know music know. He, I don't think he can ever surpass Michael Jackson. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, I, I don't think. I, he, yeah, 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 I think he can. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> because Michael, he's not a pedophile. You're actually yeah. smoking. Simply because he's not a pedophile. Okay. <laughs> Michael Jackson is not a pedophile, man. <laughs> okay. But it wasn't proven, Siege. This is the thing that you. See, you're, you're saying they, stuff without any evidence behind it. Yeah, you, what you're doing? The, Did you watch that documentary. What, Bro, that documentary, bro, how come exactly? They're liars. No, but he was a bit of a weird guy. He was a bit of a weird guy. No, if you look at it from that, if you look at it from that perspective, (laughs) yeah, the new album is better. Yeah, do your thing, Tony. Do your thing. I was literally gonna say, (laughs) man. Yeah, honestly, that's your goat, is it, Siege? That's your goat, yeah. That was a bit of a miss. That, <laughs> I think the album in general. I thought the album was cold. I nah. thought that was no, cold. I don't. I didn't think so. I didn't think I so. Was sick. I thought it was definitely better than. Uh, honestly, never mind. I thought it was better than the CLB. I I don't think you put much effort into this album. You don't think so? I don't think so, man. I thought I just, the other two. Honestly, never mind. But 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 do you get what you, yeah, you, you can like play the, the you can play the whole album. Yeah, and it wouldn't yeah. seem like you've changed the song. It did. It didn't seem yeah. like any no, I, song I, I was disagree. really different. I, I feel like every song just sounded the same. I mean, like all the beats were cold and stuff, but I just feel like it's just it's just similar, man. It, it there wasn't there wasn't anything that was like, oh, okay, this is different. Like, this is like. Nah, you know, I disagree. Track. I think there were quite a few songs where he had like he switched up his flow and stuff. The, the one with Travis good. Scott was cold. Yeah, the Pussy Millions, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that yeah, was cold. Yeah. When Travis came on, I thought that was good. I thought Circle Loco was good. Yeah, I thought he had quite a few good songs in there. I mean, I'm not saying they're bad songs, but I just feel like, you know... But you wanted something more. I get what you mean. You wanted yeah, to start yeah. sort of... But then it's like what Brandon said. He's so good. Like, like he, he knows whatever he releases is going to go number one. Mm. Yeah. Like, why I mean, would you, like... Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't hate yeah, the player, yeah. hit the game in it. Like, it's just exactly. how it is. He's is literally got the generation it... by their throat. Do you think it's because he sold his soul? No matter what he releases, he'll go to number one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You have to sell your soul to go number one. He's pretty passionate with the, the fruity stuff, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it sounded a bit too. Yeah, bro, it's too much, bro. Yeah, next thing you know, the next album is gonna be even more, bro. <laughs> yeah, but did, did you clock the the wordplay though with the three albums you released in the past two years? Yeah, honestly, never mind. Yeah, because yeah, phrase, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, because he was like, first, I'm, I'm a certified love boy. He's like, oh fuck yeah. it, honestly, never mind. And now he's like, fuck uh, it, it's her loss. That's her loss. Yeah, yeah, it's cold. That it shows his transition into the LGBTQ Whoa. community. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? That yeah. could be a good shot. That could be a good shot. I'm putting it out there. Yeah. But fair play to him if he does that. Good, good, good for him and whatever. Mm. But no, see, there's no way he's surpassing Michael Jackson. I'm sorry. Yeah. He can do. He can go for another 20 years. He will still surpass Michael Jackson. Mm. It's impossible. He can't dance. <laughs> <laughs> he can't dance though. He can't. But for some reason, everyone thinks he looks cool. I don't get it. What Drake when he danced? Yeah, 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 yeah. he's this little like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) um, but what I was gonna say was, I think should we move on to our next topic? 
Yeah, go on. Um, so we talked about the 27 Club. And obviously, yeah. the, the... I saw this segue coming. <laughs> yeah. So like we, we talked about how people, you know, um, people achieve and overachieve and how they, they, they struggle to manage certain things in their life and get to a point where they might not be able to, um, you know, control certain aspects and it leads them down to uh, leads them down a rabbit hole where they where they ultimately take their own life or lose their life so for for us as you know young men in our 20s uh, i want to ask us you know what are the things that we don't want to regret doing in our 20s i would i actually want to hear you two first because i'm i'm newly joined to the to the 20 club i'm only what two weeks in Baby, I'm like baby, you know, that baby, little baby. <laughs> CJ, you'll be good to talk about because you're already in your thirties, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was like. I did a little eyebrow raise when he was like, "I sit through all in our twenties." I was like, "I'm not thirty, but you know, I'm getting, I'm getting close. I'm getting there. I'm getting there." How old are you, CJ? Twenty-seven. I'm twenty-two. You're twenty-six. You're twenty-six. I'm twenty-six now. Yeah. You're turning twenty-seven January. You're turning twenty-seven. Yeah, very soon, man. I don't. I don't like getting older. Shit, I, I, Danny's, I thought... Danny's 27 in two days. Yeah. Oh damn, that's mad. Oh, that's mad. Shit. Okay. Yeah. I'd. I'd say. Yeah. In your. Okay. In your. What. What don't you want to regret doing in your twenties? What should you be doing? I think. Your twenties. You should be focusing on. Obviously, like. I think as a whole, you should be focusing on jumping out your comfort zone. I think you should be a, trying to try as many new things as you can. So that's um, your that's the main aim, jumping out. Of overall, that's what I think. Yeah, because yeah. I think I think in your tw- from twenty to thirty, I think that should be a period where you fully like find yourself. Because I feel so like in you, your teenage years. Do you from, think it, when you're say late twenties or early thirties, you're in your prime? I'd I say so, yeah. you're only coming into your prime in your early thirties, genuinely. Uh, okay. But and I feel but I feel like. This is, this is that doesn't mean that you have a lot of time. Time will go quick. No, but this is the thing. Yeah, I feel like it. It, it the, the answer depends on the answer will change based on who you're talking to. Like I think if you're talking to someone in football or someone, they'll tell you it's different. But for me, I'm mm. surrounded by a lot of people who are like, like in their thirties, and I'm like, yeah. I'm li- I'm 25, and I'm the, I'm the youngest there. I'm like in first year mm. at work. Um, yeah. Whereas a lot of these other people that I'm surrounded by, they're like in their mid thirties or early thirties, and yeah. I feel like they're they've more got they just have a better understanding of who they are as individuals and they're just more they're more settled number one and also they just have like this purpose to what they do and everything they do and they're just more just they just seem just more sorted bro um and it's really admiring and really like inspirational and i feel like you're only you only become come into your prime in your early 30s and i feel like you should spend your 20s jumping out your comfort zone because when you jump out your comfort zone you will you will truly discover who you are what i mean by that is examples of that is just definitely i think everyone should go traveling I think everyone has to go traveling just to sort of like, because you need to realize that the world is so much bigger than London. The world is so much bigger than the UK. Um, the world is so much bigger than the West. What's the, what, see... what's the benefit of traveling though? I think when you travel, you expose yourself to multiple different cultures and societies. Um, mm-hmm. And you realize that there is a world out there where people eat different, people speak different, people have different views on certain things, they have mm. different mannerisms, they mm. look different, even just from yeah. their phen- um, phenotype and stuff. Um, mm. And I think from that, you will massively improve your social skills as well. Um, you will mm. 
ha- you gain this ability to like for example i've got a mate yeah obviously we were, we already we were know him manu he yeah. travels bears and he like when we were in like secondary uni he went over to like israel he he's mm. gone to thailand he's gone to vietnam if i'm not mistaken mm. um he's gone to like um bear places and he's gone to, even gone to tokyo and stuff and nice. when, when, if you ask like all my like group of friends who's the best at like holding a conversation and talking to people and yeah. just being able to just the best socially in there they always say him mm. he can hold yeah. a conversation with any person about anything and he can talk about deep things he can talk about like light-hearted things and he's just very good at um i don't know just holding a conversation and i think it's not a coincidence that he's the one who's traveled the most out of our friendship group i think it just correlates really well um mm. And, and and another thing that you get from that is whenever I have a conversation with him, he'll bring up stories that he experienced from when he was abroad and you mm. get more stories that you can sort of like put into your conversation. And it's, it's really interesting. You've got more things to talk about. I think that's what mm. I, that's one thing that I'd say. I, I, I think I, th- I think for Manny listening, that's a formal invitation on the Waffle and Jam podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Indirectly, innit? Indirectly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's nice. That's nice. Mm. So no, no. I, I was gonna say, obviously, it, uh, I know I'm 26, but I still feel like I'm, I'm a lot, yeah, a lot younger than 26. Um, but from my experience of you know, being in my early 20s and kind of growing up a little bit, I would say that, um, like and traveling was something that I really enjoyed doing. I still enjoy doing it, and I traveled quite mm-hmm. a lot through my uni mm-hmm. years and even after uni and stuff. Um, just having, just you know experiencing loads of different things putting yourself in scenarios where you wouldn't normally find yourself um having conversations with people that you might not conversate with on like your, on mm-hmm. your daily day de- um and you like your, your daily kind of routine kind of thing i think mm-hmm. it, it all kind of builds you builds up your kind of your social skills that like your your whole infrastructure is as 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 a developing kind of human it kind of builds all of those all of those things up um i think one thing i would say is i i had to get myself into kind of like a routine um mm-hmm. from from quite early like you know it, it could be something as simple as kind of waking up at a certain time every day um uh like making sure that i i was always working i, I yeah. found that especially during uni and stuff even when i was studying i was always working so i always like having money in my account just to make sure that just just so that I didn't have to rely on anyone like mom and dad and stuff like that. I know yeah. they were struggling with their own stuff. So I would yeah. I'd much rather kind of wanna provide for myself as much as I could. So that that's something I, I you know, I would say for a lot of young people I'd say start working as soon as you can. Um yeah. obviously don't don't overwork yourself, but um yeah. just so you have enough enough um to get by. And having setting goals for yourself, uh setting goals that you that are achievable for you um setting yourself targets like throughout the year or like um monthly so so you know what you're going towards i think a lot of people kind of struggle because they're kind of head, they don't know what direction that they're heading in um it's always good to know what your kind of end goal is so like if you're at uni you know your end goal is to kind of graduate um mm. if you just start working then you know your goal is to kind of progress in your career yeah. um, always having a kind of vision um or looking at the bigger picture in terms of what you want to do next rather mm-hmm. than just being comfortable in where you are or what you're doing right now um nice. and obviously you know finding a girl uh, meeting people uh socializing you know just enjoying your life um, while you 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 still kind of prioritize things that are important. I think uh, I think things like I think things like finding a girl and stuff that will come as a byproduct of you exposing yourself to more people, yeah. like yeah. a wide yeah. variety of people. Because mm. um, then it's like you're opening up, you're like potentially like you're opening yourself up to the ocean, and it's then you can meet more fish in the sea. 
Yeah. With with that point, Milan, I'm gonna just interrupt you there. Sorry. Mm-hmm. With finding a girl, mm-hmm. you think there's a certain time limit where you can naturally find a girl, and then you sort of resort to you know these so-called dating apps and stuff like that, or do you just you know sort of let it be? And I think it comes naturally. I don't think resorting to dating apps should be a plan B. I think if you if you want to go on dating apps, you can go on dating apps because that's like a way of sort of like exposing yourself to more people, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I don't think there is a time limit as such um, because I know people who are only just like talking to people and like dating and stuff in their early yeah. 30s and stuff. I definitely yeah. don't think because I feel like when you put a time limit on it, it puts more pressure yeah. Um, yeah. on you as a person and obviously the other person and that sort of, I think that I feel like I don't know. This is sort of experience I've experienced in my life. Is that when you're the more you're chasing something, the less yeah. likely it is to come to you. Um, yeah. I remember when I was at uni and stuff. When I'd be broke, yeah, I I want to like just chase peas and just like do bare stuff just to get make money or whatever, like tutoring or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and there'll be like times where there'll be no clients for me to tutor. But then the mm-hmm. one second where I'll just be like, you know what, fuck it, like money will come, money will come, like eventually it will come in it. Once mm-hmm. the second I stop forcing it, like I'd get more opportunities to make peace. Like for example, having more like tutoring clients and stuff like that. So I feel like the less you force it and like just be more natural about the way you do things, I think it's it increased your chance of finding someone, like finding love yeah. and things like that. And that yeah. genuinely comes from just exposing yourself to as many people as you can. Yeah. CJ, I wanted to talk about one point you made. You said um you were you were working so you could kind of be stable and you know if your parents needed support you would help them and you would sort of provide for yourself yeah do you think now in this sort of contemporary world that we live in working is enough to sort of you know provide for yourself or would you need to build sort of like multiple streams of income i think looking into investing all that sort of stuff i think it's definitely in like you said in this day and age it's 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 i wouldn't say it's easy but it's definitely you know it's accessible for a lot of people to look into loads of different streams of income like you said like uh, there's a lot of resources online yeah well. definitely you can educate yourself on how you can build up your income build up your portfolio to start mm. having money come in passively um mm. rather than just from your kind of nine to five however to five do you do you think it's a necessity to have more than one one sort of stream of income in your it 20s depends, it depends on on you and your goals i guess um, it's not a necessity, but if if you're yeah. someone who's driven in terms of mm-hmm. how you wanna like, I, I was never able to just settle for um, what I was doing on the day. Like I wasn't happy with just going to uni, come back and just relaxing. I would be like, you weren't happy with being average. Yeah, I always wanted to like. I, I would say I probably should have spent more time um, focusing on my uni stuff rather than picking up overtime shifts on a part time job. But I I wanted that at the time because I was like, this is quite important to me. Uh, yeah. Because I want that that money coming in on the side just to make sure that I wouldn't have to constantly ask my parents to send me money or yeah. that I would I, it, the things I needed I'd be able to get by myself. Um, yeah. and it also put me in a good stead for like after uni as well. I was motivated to start working. Um, I was motivated to 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 look at what it is that I really wanted to do. Um, mm. I think it links to that thing about kind of finding your passion. Um, and in one way I I. I regret not being able to fully kind of indulge myself into my uni course because at the time okay. I was more driven on just working. Um, what were you studying at uni? I was doing uh, journalism at the time. Nice. Yeah. Was that your passion? It was my passion and I think it, it, to an extent it still is um, mm. and to be honest it, I think talking to people and actually building relationships is more of a more of my passion than journalism 
and I think yeah. the job that I do now is more related to actually communicating with people um, yeah. and building that up. And I do feel like at some point I'll be able to link both of those together um, and mm. and profit from it. So Brandon, so you're literally in a fortunate position where you're, you just started your 20s. And obviously you must be very, must have a whole mix of emotions. Like you must be very excited to start your 20s, but also like it might be quite daunting as well. Uh, firstly, mm. what are your thoughts on being 20 and just embarking on this new decade? And secondly, what are you looking forward to doing? I think... Um, and do you feel any different from when you were 19? No, do you know what, yeah? You, with a lot of these stages in life, you expect things to be different. So, like, when you turn 30 or, you know, when you first become a father or when this happens or that happens. Mm. But to be honest, you know, life kind of goes on and feels like every other day. Mm. And I've always felt a bit older than I was before, which... Because even with the people I talk to, huh? Say that again. I said you give off the aura of being much more mature Cheers. than like. Cheers. Yeah, definitely. But um, where was I? Lost my train of thought. I was saying, yeah. So uh, if you look at it from as an as a say auntie or uncle's perspective, it's a big step. But for me, it's like every other day. So, you know, I've, I've been working since 16. You know, I kind of know what it is to be in the work environment. I've also studied. I'm studying on the side at the moment. So, you know, there's that same responsibilities. And, you know, depending on certain circumstances, you adapt differently to, you know, how old you turn. And I feel like there's there's always been a sort of responsibility with me. And my parents have always, you know, kind of made me feel accountable of, you know, such things. Not like Andrew Tate. <laughs> but that's why I was quite easily you know I quite easily matured you know as a, as a 20 year old because my parents kind of put that pressure on me while I was growing up to you know this age so yeah not much is different it is exciting you know I'm looking forward to traveling I've always wanted to travel I want to go to South America mm. I, go to, I go to see who's up for it though I want to go to Portugal I want to go to Maldives I'm seeing like so many videos of these beautiful places and I'm like is this actually the same planet I'm living on? Because, you know, something that you want to explore, something you, you want to experience. Because the thing is, like, I feel like moments and memories are you are invaluable. You can't put a price on stuff like that. True. No matter how, how much money you have, you'll never be 21 again. You'll never be 22 again. So it's like stuff like that, traveling, one, finding a partner, obviously, I, I'd ideally say in my 20s, it would be good because, but the thing is with this new generation, being 30 and getting married around 31, 32 is pretty normal now. But yeah. I've, always, I've always wanted to get married slightly earlier. I feel like my cousin Joshua, he got married at an ideal age. I think he was 26 turning 27. Mm. I know that that sounds quite scary for Siege in it because <laughs> so I was 26 turning 27. <laughs> everyone has but, their own time in it yeah 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 also as as Milan said you know sort of putting myself in a uncomfortable environment because I feel like if you want to grow you know you're going to have to put yourself you know in situations where you'll feel like it's not for you and then you sort of Definitely. adapt to that and then you know that's how you grow isn't it so yeah 100% that's my opponent yeah yeah i'm quite excited for for um brandon to sort of embark on this adventure 
thank you. I think, you I'll say I was gonna say I'll give you man weekly updates on the Waffle and Jail podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let us know how you, how you find it. Oh yeah, I found a girl by the way. Yeah, <laughs> no, but it's good though because uh, the more this Waffle and Jam progresses, then the audience can see you grow up before their eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You better yeah. growing up though. You're still in your first year of what? Be the doctor. Yeah, I'm. Uh, to be fair, I, I'm 25, but I feel much yeah. younger than CJ. <laughs> 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 Why are we always digging at CJ's age? Nah, nah, because you know what? Because at the moment, CJ's like only a year older than me, innit? But I always yeah. wait until January so he can be two years older than me because I like that gap. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I don't like being too close to him in, in terms uh, of age and that. Well, you're born uh, in what month? Oh, you're September. I'm September, CJ's January, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, go on. I think, CJ, you're, you're the Segway King. Do you want to? Move on to the next section slash segment. So we've been talking about our age and how some of us feel quite young and some of us feel quite old. And yeah. I want to take it back to when we were all a bit younger. Um, and this segment. is, I think we've got quite a few nice topics for our uh, Waffle and Jam pod, um, uh, segment of the podcast. DJ, what is the Waffle and Jam segment? So the Waffle or Jam segment of our podcast is a section where we all, we, we, we bring forward um, a few suggestions or a few topics and we decide whether or not we we jam to this idea we're like we're in agreement with it or we think it's absolute waffle so we don't so so the first topic i want to bring to us is toy story is the greatest animated movie trilogy of all time animated movie or trilogy animated movie trilogy okay Oh, there's four. (laughs) (laughs) But I I say we disregard the fourth one because that wasn't really... That's quiet for the new generation. And I'll be honest, that movie sucked, man. When I was watching it in cinema, I was like, I can't believe you left the gang for a girl. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say... You you know, it's a hard one because... Have you guys watched the Kung Fu Panda 3 trilogy? Do you have a minute? What about you? Steve? I'll be honest, I'm not a movies man, I'm uh, not really a movie man like that. Because no, uh, that one, like when you're growing up, because I'm I'm significantly younger towards Siege and slightly younger to Milan. Yeah, we have a lot of moments. We need to stop laughing. That is funny, man. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. So I grew up with a sort of Kung Fu Panda trilogy. Yeah, that movie's sick. But I also, I was firstly um, exposed to the Toy Story trilogy. I don't think there's another animated movie trilogy that can beat that, you know? Mm. What about you guys? Is there, is there an animated movie trilogy? There's How to Train Your Dragon, but I didn't watch that. This is the thing. I don't think no. I've seen any other animated trilogies other than Toy Story. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because Toy Story was me, unbelievable. Yeah. Toy unbelievable. Story was going at that. What yeah. 1995 releasing yeah. the first one? That was game changing. Bro, I'm like, cause especially like, cause I had bare toys when I was playing, like when I was young in it. So like, mm. everyone could relate to it. Yeah. Everyone could relate to that. Like, and then like, obviously, you know, when you, you were a kid. 
Bro, I used to leave my room with my, my toys on the floor yeah. and then quickly just sneak up on yeah. them and see they're moving, yeah. in it? Bro, yeah. I'm telling you, I had them on the toes, bro, I'm telling you. <laughs> Honestly, man, Toy Story was unbelievable. The whole plot, everything was unbelievable. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I watched Toy Story at an age where I wasn't really playing with toys anymore. See that that shows how good the story like shows how good Toy Story. No, is. Good. I mean yeah. I was young, I was I'm not saying I was like old like I wasn't like 18 or anything when I watched it for the first time. But I hmm. for me that uh, an animated movie that sticks with me still is probably like Lion King. Oh, Lion King. Um, that's probably the, the, that's, that's the best the animated, yeah. animated single yeah, movie of all time. Yeah, single yeah. Movie. There's yeah. a second one, you know, called I think Simba's Pride. Is it? Wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like oh. popularized in the UK because oh, just in that. Malaysia they were like, yeah, you seen Lion King two? I was like, what? And then like, <laughs> what is Lion King two? You seen Lion King one and a half? I was like, oh, yeah, Lion King one and a half. Yeah, that's I, think one, I think one and a half is with um, Pumbaa and Timon. Oh, uh, okay, fine, fine. And yeah, then Lion yeah. King two is called Simba's Pride, I think. Fine. Something like that about his children becoming or his son becoming the new king. Yeah, yeah, but I, Lion King one, the original, like the OG one, good, uh, I'm gonna watch that tonight actually. Yeah, yeah actually, I might do the same because, bro, like me and Mobs used to watch that all the time. Bro, yeah. All that, my that, days. That one and, scene when Mufasa dies still gets me. Emotional. Bro, and this is the thing, yeah. yeah, we watch it every day, and you know, like on our stairs at home, me and Mobs mm. used to like act out. One person would be Mufasa, and the other person would be Scar, and yeah. then one of the, one of us had to do down in it. <laughs> Yeah, bro. Mobs used to always want to be fucking Scar, innit? So he'd always want to let me die. Yeah. yeah. Bro, oh, Lion King was unbelievable. Yeah, man. So yeah. good. 1994, that movie. Mad. Yeah. Yeah, crazy, man. See, you must what? be in how old, like? Oh, you weren't born then, innit? Sorry. No, no, oh, genuinely, no. Sorry, sorry. I wasn't born not then. Even, not even Mobs was born then, actually. What? I just stood the test of time, innit? Mobs is 95. Is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, sorry, Bobs. <laughs> this, this is just trying to get too abusive. This, this is just abusive. No, actually, Daniel and Alex are 95 as well, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, Lion King. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, yeah. So oh, what, what was, were we saying about the Toy Story one? I'd jam to it because that's purely because yeah. of my ignorance. Yeah, I mean, in I'm, terms I'm of, like, trilogy-wise, I'd say. Probably. Yeah, trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to move on to the next one? Next, uh, next uh, topic. This is this is a good one. Next the next statement. topic is um, once you love someone honestly and truly, you'll never stop loving them. You can only find someone else you love more. I think they're talking about that in a romantic sense, are they? Yeah. Should we yeah. mutually agree upon that? Be romantic. Because this is the last bit. It's. You can only find someone else you love yeah. more. And you're not going to do that with your mum or dad. You're not going to find another mother or father. Yeah, definitely not. What you what must say, because I, I, I ain't been in a relationship, innit? So. I, I jammed it. Why are you jamming I jammed, it? I jammed it because of the word honesty and truly. Okay. I feel like if you if you genuinely love someone, like honestly and truly, genuinely with your whole heart, you love them. I still feel like how how many however many years go go by in the past, we say you broke up or whatever. I still think you will still have that love towards them. You have that soft spot towards them, and you 
you always care for them in it. And the only way you can move on from that is if you like, if you find someone else who you genuinely love as well. Um, like like what it's like what it says in the in the in the statement. But I think, like I said, you'd always have that amount of love and that amount of care for that person initially because you. The key key phrase here is you love someone honestly and truly. If you never really honestly and truly love them, then I feel like this statement doesn't stand. But if you did honestly and truly love them, I think you'd always have like that sort of soft spot for them, in my opinion. I I would partially agree with you, but I don't think um I don't pick a side pick a side no 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 the part of the sentence once you love on someone honestly and truly you'll never stop loving them I don't think it's about like you don't you wouldn't continuously love someone unless you have an opportunity to show them that you love them there's no reason for you to continue love somebody when when they're not part of your life I guess you'd only be able to show that to them if they pop up in your life again. So the reason I say that is obviously with I've been in relationships previously, um, and I'm yeah. in a relationship now. And the relationship before, I guess, if it it wasn't it wasn't serious, but I'd say I loved them as a friend. Is this with a different girl? No, it's a different guy. I'm not surprised. Yeah, so, <laughs> see, that's what you think Drake's the girl in it. See, all I'm saying is, you gotta be careful with what you say. Anyway. <laughs> no, this is why I'm being very careful. So the reason why the reason why I say that is because. I've never had a breakup, at, um, which has been like messy. I've not had one where we both said goodbye and hated each other. I've always left it where it's civil, and I've always been a friend to that person. And I'm not saying that I, I, I'd be a friend to them and kind of talk to them after we break up and stuff like that. But if it ever came to a point where we bumped each, into into each other on the street, I wouldn't not say hello. I'd say hello and like you know have a conversation with them. Yeah. Would I think, the feelings be purely platonic or? Do you yeah, it wouldn't. I wouldn't love them, but um, I I would still be civil with them, to, in, civil enough to have a conversation with them because I feel like even before you. Want do you think that, do you think that you love them honestly and truly though? I may have done, yeah. But what I'm saying is no no what I'm saying is like there's there's a difference between romantic love and the different mm-hmm. between there's there's loads of different types of love, right? Yeah, of course. There's of course, unrequited, yeah. there's there's um there's um pay love. Yeah, there's loads of different types of love. And in my opinion, I think before you love somebody in a romantic way, you can love them as a friend. Yeah. And as a friend, yeah, of course. I, I'm not yeah. saying you don't have to love them honestly and truly as a friend. Like you can be honest with them. And I feel like when you say honestly and truly, it's like it just makes it romantic. And I don't think it is romantic for you to I don't think you have to be I don't think you have to be romantically involved with somebody to love them honestly and no, truly. No, but no, but the phrase uh, that we mutually agreed but, on yeah. is Yeah, that, that's not that what uh, you said, CJ, is not up for debate. Yeah, what we're saying yeah. is fair, we understand that, but yeah, okay. in the context of honestly, like yeah, yeah. But in the context of loving them romantically, can you then mm. eventually turn it off? Yeah. Once you love them honestly and truly. Yeah, because... I don't think so. Okay, so if... I haven't so even got evidence, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I think you can turn it off. I think you can love someone honestly and truly, but when you can... To be fair, you're, else, you're, to, see, you're in a better position to say, and you're probably better to educate us because none of us have been yeah. in that situation. No, as because you, you can... No, th- uh, from my experience, you can. You can. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, fine. Who are we to argue with you? Yeah. Who are we to argue with the great CJ Jose? Wow. Okay. No, I'm saying I'm saying that because like when you commit to somebody, you're not gonna like you're not gonna think about your ex. Like you you wouldn't get into a position to want to commit to somebody 
and be in a relationship with Fine, okay. if you're still yeah, thinking fine. about but, your ex. But do you think so, there's, there's a small part of you that can be brought out, say, if you were to see your ex? It depends how you ended things with your ex and how things finished with your ex. I would, I can see my ex and I wouldn't feel like I want to get back with them. Because I love my girlfriend so much that I yeah, wouldn't need no. to think about it like that. Exactly, but that's the thing. You yeah, found but that's what I'm saying. Okay, I may have loved my ex honestly and truly because I don't, I don't believe in half-heartedly, you know, being in in a relationship or whatever. But it doesn't mean that I still feel that same love right now that I did what seven, eight years ago. To, to, you know to, what? But yeah. You're talking, you're talking of in the context of you having a new girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. We can't get a fully open answer from him because he's in a relationship. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that that in itself is an answer, though, isn't it? Yeah, you're being. So would you say? Okay, fine. Word. Fine. Would you? Okay, fine. No, no, I get what you mean, Sid. Because the, the, the statement mean. is, you can only find someone else you love more. You, so in your case, you found someone else you love more. Hey, let's not try throw throw Siege under yeah. the bus. Yeah, 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 that's true, that. true. yeah, yeah. I, I found someone else that I love more. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't love. We'll leave it. We'll, li- we'll leave it like, like that. We'll leave it yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't come back for the next episode, you know what? Oh God. Okay, swiftly moving on. Um. Yeah. This next one is a very light-hearted one. Mm. This is quite an interesting one. Um, let's dive into the world of football now. And the statement is, do you guys waffle or jam to this? Yeah. Waffle or jam to this, yeah. Despite his amazing figures currently, Haaland can never yeah. be considered as the GOAT of football. So we're saying how, how he's going at the moment, mm. he can never be considered the GOAT. I think I'm jamming to that because the difference. See, how do you define a goat? Oh, we we already talked about this on a previous yeah. episode, didn't it? I jam I jammed to it as well, by the way. But, but with football, absolute waffle, absolute, absolute waffle. waffle yeah. I think no, he's he's warranted though because the word the word key word is never. Okay, uh, but but the reason why how we're looking at Haaland right now, he's a goal scorer. Gets into mm. positions, he can score goals, he's got a magical left foot. Well, I'd say a rocket for a left foot. I won't say a magical left foot. I'd only give Maradona he's got, a he's got a pa- yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd say it's an absolute rocket, his left foot. But the thing is, the difference between amazing players, like world-class players, and Haaland, although he's, he's a great striker, clinical, I'm not going to put him in that sort of class of being world-class because I don't think he can create a goal out of nowhere, like sort like world class players can. He I always disagree, has I to be, he, he has to be put in a position where it's served on a plate for him and he just scores. See, I did think that, but then I saw him play like a bit more closely, and I've seen him drop deep, hold at the ball, pass, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, pass yeah. That's, the ball. That's all good. That's all good. But can he individually create a goal out of nothing? But then it's like, so then would you? Yeah, I think so. He's Would not. He, I'm he hasn't to think got that sort of like playmaker attribute to him that that he needs. Would you put? But then, oh, fine. But then, if you think about Ronaldo CR7, yeah, mm. he was the last. Player. No, but for the last few seasons of his career, he became that 
goal scorer because of his injury and then he just became like a out and out number nine where he needed the balls to be delivered in a position where he can like score in it. Would you would you then only classify Ronaldo as one of the goats because of what he's done previously to that or still including that? Because based on I what you're saying, included, do you know what I mean? Included. But that's what I'm saying. But then what you've said now is Haaland can never be the goat because the way he's playing, he needs the ball to be put in positions where he can score. But that's what Ronaldo's doing for the past six, seven years. But listen, Haaland is nearly approaching his prime, I believe. How old is he? He's 23 or 24? 22, 23, yeah. Yeah, something like that. He should be in a position where he can create goals like how Messi done at 23, 24, or Ronaldo done at that age. But he just doesn't have the talent level for that. Exactly. But do you think he's going to mature into a player where he's even better than Messi and Ronaldo? I can't see that happening. I think I can. I don't think no, no, no. I agree. R- I agree. I don't with that think he'll statement. be better than R nine. No, definitely. I agree with that statement, Brandon. But the the reason why I disagree with you briefly is because you said you can't consider him as world class. I think you can consider him as world class when it's all said and done. I think. I think. I think he's a world class. Okay. I'll I'll take back what I said. I think he, he, he yeah. can be considered a world class striker. <laughs> all right. Yeah. No. No. I, I get. Because he's like he, he he's a good he's a good poacher. He finds himself in the right positions all the time. He's big, he's strong, yeah. he's fast. Very high IQ, very good IQ. Exactly, yeah. See, for me, yeah, no, I, I agree, I agree. I don't but like, foot, foot, football, football's an intellectual game and you need to have that sort of capacity with the ball. Yeah, definitely. He, I don't and think he can be the goat. Yeah. I, I just don't see it, man. Yeah, I can't... It's the eye it, test. Like, you, he, like Brandon said, you need to, like, you need to have that... It's that je ne sais quoi, bro. You need to get yeah, the you get to dribble with the ball. You need yeah. to ride challenges. I, I genuinely think like and it doesn't you need to have look, more in your it, it doesn't look effortless. Effortless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't even say that. It yeah, like I, think, I think that's all like everything that you're saying is all subjective. Like you say, despite the figures, because you know if you can consider the figures, I then genuinely don't think it's I don't think I don't think, no, it's, subje- I don't think it's subjective. 23, 23 goals in seventeen games, and you're telling me despite the figures and ignore the figures. You can't ignore the But you're figures. saying you bro, do you realize, yeah, if yeah. Ho- if if Ronaldo were to retire right now and not play a single game ever again, yeah, Haaland still at this position that he's in, he'd have to score fifty goals a season for the for like, for the next ten years or like fifteen okay. years 15. to to equal his equal his goal tally. That's fine, but you said to me that okay, it's all about the genetic quoi, what you see and how. For yeah, me, exactly. I was just using no, that point for, just to rebut your yeah, rebut your point. But for me, when I see Haaland play, I think he, he's he does make like. Being being a striker is not easy in the Premier League. He makes no, it look not. effortless. No, but he, remember, he's like what six foot five. He's an absolute monster, ninety four kg. Yeah. He's f- almost faster than every single player there. Yeah. I think but the there's, only there's players than there's, him, yeah. there's players with a similar build who can't reach all the. And we we appreciate that. We know he's world class. Yeah, but he I can't just don't be the think he can be. He can't be the goal. He, yeah. he 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 would. When it, I genuinely think when it's all said and done, he won't be. In a higher bracket than R9. Definitely. Do you think he can surpass R9? Huh? Do you think he can surpass R9? Easily. Easily. Yeah. I don't think so. I think he can. I think we're still at such an early stage in his career. I simply don't think he can because he's not going to win a World Cup. I think people always use that argument against him as well. Yeah. I mean, I can't argue with that. Unless unless all of a sudden the the Norway team just, just turn up. He's Norwegian. Bro, see, R9, bro, with this injury, he should never be able to kick ball again, bro. And look what he did after mm. that. 
Like we could say that okay, Haaland was injured, but the two games missed three games, came back and scored a winner. Oh my, he didn't do his ACL, bro. But he came back and scored a winner. He just returned to injury. And how old is he? How old he's, is he? He scored a pen. And he, he scored a pen. A, scored a but pen he, right, scored, yeah. he scored an offside goal too. <laughs> mm. That was, was offside. It was offside two. though. It was yeah, offside though. Come on, before we have AI, he probably would have counted. So he scored two goals. He, he still made Speed sure. scored an offside goal in the side mentality yeah, match. Yeah, fact. <laughs> <laughs> but see, you think he could, you genuinely think he could be considered as the GOAT? Yeah, I think they just... Surpassing Messi, surpassing Ronaldo. I'm not saying that he's going to be better than them, but he's going to be a GOAT. He has player. to be better than them to be considered as the GOAT. Yeah. No, not really. The question is, think... despite, despite his we, amazing... We, we, we consider time. Ronaldo a GOAT still, but I don't think he's better than Messi. Ronaldo's consider... not the GOAT. No, I think there's only... Good, no, but... but the thing is, there's one GOAT. You can't have... Yeah, oh, Messi. They're GOATs, they're GOATs, they're GOATs. Yeah. No, I'm just using Ronaldo and them, like, just as, like, yeah. a different, like, yeah. levels. Yeah. Of but the in the argument, there's two GOATs of this generation. I mean, of all time. I can't even say of this generation. I don't Okay, so in that sense, then, you could say he might be the GOAT of the next generation because I don't see anyone else who's... Who's even like getting close to what Haaland is doing right now? But the thing is, like, you can't even say the goat of this generation or that generation because that because just, they're over this bit. That, that, that redefines what a goat is, isn't it? Because the okay, goat what? is the greatest of all time, isn't it? Of all generations. I, I, I was saying, I think a year, a year from now, we'll, we'll have this conversation again. It'll be very different. And you you would consider him one of the good. In a year, no way, impossible, impossible. No. In a year, there's no, no way that's going to change our opinion. You're impossible. telling me he's going to win seven Ballon d'Ors in one year? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you know, the, di- the direction watching... of this conversation will be different in a year's time. I, I think, like obviously, when Messi first started for Barcelona, you in his first season, would you say he's the goat, or he's going to be considered one of the one of the? But you're saying first season, bro. Messi, M- Messi at the age 23 already won a Ballon d'Or. Not, he didn't win that in his first season with Barcelona. But, but Haaland's not in his first season. He's played multiple seasons with Dortmund. Yeah, but he, this is his first. Like, he, I think this is going to be the defining uh, season of that, his career. That, see, that's very subjective. Then, like, that's like that's not that's not fair to say. Why? That's not fair to say because you're saying that his career is only basically started when he's at Man City. But no, he's been playing European football at mm-hmm. Dortmund. So you can't just neglect those two years that he's had at Dortmund. Oh, you don't have to neglect them. I think he still did bits at Dortmund then. Okay, fine. Okay, he did. Okay, fine. So, so yeah. Haaland's in his third season now. Messi in his third season at, at Barca. He already won a Ballon d'Or. I think is the it? level of football was a lot lower back then than it is now. Oh, oh my days. Okay, fine. Well, yeah, and, like no. and like it's I said Messi before, the sixth that... season, wasn't it? The sixth season. Which, yeah, whatever. Oh, there you go. There you go then. Two thousand eight. Two thousand nine. Six seasons it took Messi to win a Ballon d'Or. No, but, but think Holland about is it. only oh, in his. Holland is in his third season. First season in the Premier Bro, League. Most the only thing you can compare is compare the ages. Yeah, Messi at twenty three won a Ballon d'Or. That's all I know. Yeah. Okay. But Messi, Messi at 23 won a Ballon d'Or because he was playing in like a, an uncle's league. Uncle's what? league? Bro, La Liga was cold back then. Nah. Stop nah, talking right. to it was, it was dominated by Real and um, Barcelona. Shocking behaviour. Well, Haaland only did sick at Dortmund because he's playing in the Farmer League. Farmer look at his performances in the Champions League. That's what makes you kind of win a Ballon d'Or. The year Bayern Munich won um, the Champions League, they said... Lewandowski should have won the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. Yeah. Look at Karim Benzema. His performance in the UCL alone yeah, exactly. was enough for exactly. him to win the Ballon d'Or. Yeah. Harlan's performances in the Champions to, League. Yeah, the still have time to win the Champions League. 
and, he, and, and also see you talking about Messi being in the Farmers League you just big up like Haaland for doing bits at Dortmund but he was playing in German Bundesliga no but Such that's a, what I'm saying another... but he came from that into the Premier League and he scored 18 goals in 23 games with one Bro, of the Messi, Messi, go on. Go on. I was going to say with one of the most creative exactly. teams in of all the world. time. I yeah. can say that for Messi as well in, with that Barcelona team. Messi, that team yeah, but Messi. he made it creative. He made. Yeah. He was part of that that Bro, team. Messi was he, a he was key literally reason. Barcelona. <laughs> yeah. Bro, Messi, Messi at that age, early twenties, he was dominating English clubs in the Premier League, not in the Premier League, in Champions League. Yeah. People don't give Messi credit. I can't remember when he messed up uh, United. Yeah, fine. We'll, t- we'll hold yeah. that out. We'll hold that out. If it, if it means champion and I go, that will, I'll hold that out. Yeah. He made us look silly. Yeah. But I do think ha- Haaland has the characteristics to be one of the goats. If not the goat at one point. But what do you mean if the Oh, fine. Okay. Goat at one point. Like, eventually, you think he's going to be the goat? Yeah. How, bro? How? Time Impossible. Will tell, like, time will tell. I don't uh, see it when your de- when your game is dependent on multiple different factors. I don't think you can be the goat. Yeah, I think I think Mbappe's got more potential. Nah, wasted. He's already got a World Cup. But <laughs> <laughs> well, then that that had a lot of multiple different factors. It wasn't just. Him winning it entirely by uh, he was instrumental though, he yeah. was key at he what, was, like 18? How old was he? 19? Seven, he was 17 at the time, yeah, unbelievable. I think the World Cup was won by Conte. Kante, he was unbelievable as well. <laughs> it's joke, man, saying Kante, yeah, really... Pogba, Pogba, yeah, Pogba was cold as well. Pogba, Pogba and his black magic, that's what won the World Cup. He's out of the World Cup, isn't it, for this one, yeah, yeah he's probably deep, and he keeps getting injured at training. For um, yeah. Juve, Juve are washed now anyway. Like they're yeah, not winning anything. But yeah, shall we shall we segue on to our final? Yeah. Word of the day. Word of the day. Who's doing word of Brandon. the day? It's Brandon today. It's me. Yeah. Uh, so you know what? I'm trying to load up where I wrote down a little info for word of the day. So for the audience who, who are not too sure or familiar with it. There we go. So let me go. So we always like to conclude um, this episode of Waffle Jam or any episode of Waffle Jam with a reoccurring segment called Word of the Day. It's a heartwarming epilogue where either one of us sort of projects a quote with, which we coincide with. Um, so this could be from, you know, another podcast we listen to, a book we've read or a movie that we've seen it from to sort of um, uplift your spirits and, you know, hopefully encourage you. So what is with my word of the day, where I chose it from? I was listening to an audio book. I'm, I'm quite into audio books nowadays. And I was listening, listening to this one called um, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse. Oh, uh, yeah, I know that book. You know this one. Well, have you read it before? No, I'm just I, I basically I don't know how I know it, but I've heard it in passing somewhere before. All right, let me load it waffle, up. Waffle, waffle, waffle. What do you mean waffle? No, uh, so they make a movie. They made a movie out of it as well, right? I'm not. I'm not too sure, but you know, if there is a movie, that'll no, be no, sick. that's the wind in the willows. 
he's okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're in the middle of this. Yeah, siege, man, like, you're in my brain. Like, you know, because <laughs> it's about it's about a, a mole and um. That's yeah. yeah that's yeah. what I got. Yeah. So basically, I was re- I was listening to this book and the characters sort of symbolize you know different things and the horse symbolizes wisdom. And one quote that really stuck with me was, "Don't measure how valuable you are by the way you are treated, and always remember you matter." You're important and you are loved and you bring to this world things no one else can. Hmm. So yeah, that kind of stuck with me and I thought that would be you know, a good way to finish off an episode. And mm-hmm. since we were talking about love in the Waffle Jam, <laughs> it's all um, highlights, you know, that sort of segment. But yeah. I think it also draws on the whole idea of what you, like, we spoke about, the things you don't want to regret to do in your 20s. And, mm. um, you know, Kind of making sure you understand the importance of what you bring to the world, mm. as well as what all these experiences bring to the world as well. Yeah. I mean, sorry, all these experiences bring to you, not the world. I think also the the I think I don't know if I'm like remembering correctly, but from what you said, Brandon, from that quote, I think you're saying regardless of how you're treated, mm. um, you are valuable in this world, and I think that's really important because a lot of times we do go through difficult times and difficult days. Um, yeah. like for example, like there'll be some times where I'm at work, um, where I'm just like there'll be like another like um, I don't know another member of staff who's probably like going through a bit of stressful moments or whatever in their life, and they'll just be short at me and might snap at me and stuff. And you mm. just need to realize like, obviously stuff like that will happen. And yeah. regardless of how you are treated at certain points, you need to realize you are valuable and you, you do add a lot of like um, yeah. value to the world. And you just need yeah. to keep going, man. Um, yeah. I think it's very difficult sometimes to keep going despite like the hardships that you go through um so i think that's very good motivation for everyone to never give up and just keep going regardless of how how tough the struggle is Mm. yeah that's beautifully put was that one way to wrap up I think that's a good way to sort of wrap up, yeah. I think that was a good episode overall. Um, Thank you so much, guys, for joining us once again for another episode of the Waffle and Jam podcast, and we'll see you for the next episode very soon. 